to the end zone. It's a touchdown. Tanner Manga finds Matt Bushman in stride. Yo on the arc shoots a three and scores it. Yoli Childs for three. Shot and goal by Lizzie Brady. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. And now, here's Greg Rubel. Hello and good evening, Cougar Nation. We once again welcome you inside Studio 2 at the BYU Broadcasting Building on the beautiful Brigham Young University campus in Provo, Utah. For Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, our weekly hour of Cougar conversations with BYU sports personalities of now and then. If you are joining us live tonight, it's great to have you with us on BYU Radio via National Satellite on Sirius XM 143 and in Northern Utah on 89.1 FM HD2. We are also live on BYURadio.org and the BYU Radio app. If you are tuned in later... Glad you're with us on our Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast or on the show page archives at byuradio.org. Whether live or on demand, hope you enjoy this evening's show. Coming up on tonight's broadcast, a current BYU coach and a former BYU player as I visit with Diljeet Taylor and Andrew Rich. And we start the show on the track and the turf with BYU's associate head track and field coach and associate cross-country head coach for the BYU women. She's Diljeet Taylor. Coach Taylor is in her third season in Provo and has already received a pair of promotions, giving her greater responsibility and recognition, recognizing her significant contributions in a short period of time here in town. In her two seasons with cross-country, Diljeet has led her squad to a pair of WCC second-place finishes, two regional top fives, and 10th and 11th-place finishes at the NCAA Championship and two top 15 end-of-season rankings in the annual track and field cross-country program of the year ranks. Her 2018 cross-country squad is currently ranked 17th with their season about to get underway this weekend. On the track, her teams have finished 18th and 45th at Indoor Nationals with a top 50 and top 70 finish in the outdoor season. Indoor and outdoor, cross-country and track, Diljeet has coached multiple All-Americans during her two seasons at BYU. A Cal State Stanislaus graduate, Coach Taylor was herself an NCAA Division II All-American in 800 and 1500 meter competitions. She was also an an academic All-American and team captain as a collegiate runner. Her coaching career began at Menlo College before a return to her alma mater as cross-country and distance coach, ultimately being named as the program director over both disciplines. While at Stanislaus, she again coached multiple All-Americans and national champions. And it is a pleasure to welcome into Studio 2 Coach Diljeet Taylor. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Good to have you with us. Uh, where were you born, and where did you spend your childhood? I was born in Ceres, California, so the Central Valley, and I pretty much lived there all the way up until I finished college and still stayed in California, went on to um, train up at Stanford with the Nike Farm team for a couple years, and then moved back when the job opened at Cal State Stanislaus. When you were doing the Stanford thing, you were also coaching at Menlo at the same time, which is very nearby, right? Yep. It's right down the road, and it's just a little private university, and I thought, let me just try this coaching thing out, and ended up falling in love with it, and got the call for my alma mater, and began my career. When did you begin to develop a serious interest in athletics and or running specifically? So I played a lot of sports growing up. My parents were big on putting us in everything possible. And I quickly realized that the best part, what I was the best at was the running part of every sport. So sadly, I didn't have much skill. And there began my running career. In which team sports did you either dabble or go the longest in? Tennis. I played that all the way up until my senior year. So I never ran cross country because I always was tennis in the fall and then track in the spring. And I played basketball all the way up until my junior year in high school. Okay, what were you on in the basketball? Was it, what position were you? Uh, I would run 
down the court and then back <laughs> down the court. So mostly defense. Running was involved. <laughs> yeah. Um, when did you first know that you were really good as a runner? I, in seventh grade, we had a timed mile. And actually, in you know, recess elementary school, my son tells me about that now, how girls chase him, which is interesting. <laughs> I always say, okay, which girl is the fastest? Um, but that's when it really started, when you would play tag at recess and nobody could really catch me. Um, and then we did a timed mile. I think it was in junior high, and I beat all the boys. So they're like, you know, you should go out for the track team. And that's kind of what I did. I mentioned you as, as middle distance, uh, where you had your most acclaim as a collegiate. Were you a sprinter before that? or I think everyone that starts out with running starts with 100 meters because they all think they're sprinters. And then you quickly realize that that's not your event. And I just kept moving up until I found the 800 and the 1500 to be the events that I was excelling the most at. So that became your sweet spot then, then for you as a runner. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what brought you to uh, Cal State Stanislaus? Uh, it was a local university, and my parents actually were not wanting me to run in college. And so I was recruited out of high school, but I did not get the opportunity to accept any of those scholarships. What were they preferring um, you do? Pre-pharmacy. Okay. And, or a doctor, you know, high ambitions. But I went to Cal State Santa Claus because it was local and it was close. Um, and then I would drive by when the track team was practicing, and I just thought, I just need to go out there and see if I could be a walk-on. And so about two years in, I walked up to the coach, and she remembered who I was, and I actually ended up walking on and going to nationals my first year after not running for a year and a half. And, yeah, it was kind of a cool story. Were you, were you then on – you, was there a time when you, when you then got on scholarship? Yeah. After, so. after, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, after yeah. that first year. So I only ran three years in college because uh, my eligibility had already started. Okay. Um, but I became a scholarship athlete after that first year. And then the next year made it to nationals again. And then the last year was an All-American three times. Yeah. So it ended well. I'll say uh, my, my next guest, Andrew Rich, uh, came to BYU in similar circumstances in that he was a walk-on to start, proved himself, and then uh, and played his last couple of years on scholarship. Uh, you, you talked about uh, the Nike Farm Elite uh, group at Stanford. Explain what that is and, uh, and how important that was to you at the time. So it was a post-collegiate Olympic development team, and there was about 40 athletes pretty much from all over the country, mostly Division One. My nickname was D2 because I was one of the few Division Two runners. <laughs> they got to do um, it. On that club, yeah. yeah. And Coach Frank Gagliano, we all call him Gags, uh, had seen me run a couple times in the Bay Area. And since I was so new to it, I'd only been running three years, he thought it would be a good time for me to, to go out, and he gave me an opportunity. And that's really where my joy for the sport, as far as learning and kind of becoming a student of the sport, it began under him. Um, he's kind of been my mentor and um, got to run for three years, and it's where I've learned all my workouts and just my passion for coaching. I mentioned uh, the phrase team sports earlier, referencing the traditional, we'd say, team sports, not to ignore the fact that um, you're still in a team sport. I mean, the, the, these are teams we're coaching here. It's seen as an individual, individual pursuit often because that's how you're recognized when you cross the line. But bottom line is it's still a team sport we're talking about. Very much yeah. so. And especially in the fall for cross country, we really emphasize. And, and even in track, even, you know, they're individual sports, but the team aspect is... You're earning points for is, your team. Yes. Yeah. And and that's so regardless of, of uh, whether it's basketball or this, it's still team. And that's, and, and that's a driver for a lot of people. Well, it's a motivator. And it actually you end up giving a little bit more when you're competing for something bigger than just yourself. And I found that. So we, we push the team aspect hard with, with our programs. So coaching, uh, we mentioned Menlo, but then back to Stanislaus. And that's where you were the longest. You were there 10 seasons, I think, weren't you? Nine years, yes. Nine, nine years, yep. maybe 10 seasons yep. if you add the last one into it. So And one of your runners there 
was Abraham Alvarado, who people maybe only know as a BYU runner, but you had him first. Yeah, he was with me for three years, and that was kind of when I got the call from BYU. Um, he's just a small-town boy. We had already been to the Olympic trials together. He was a semifinalist. He'd been an All-American, and he had two seasons left of indoor and one season left of outdoor. And when I told him I, I was thinking about making this move, it it he was coming with me. There really wasn't hmm. kind of a question. Um, and so, yeah, he enjoyed his last two years here and was very successful and just signed a professional contract with Atlanta Track Club. That's so cool. Uh, people know you as, uh, quote-unquote, maybe woman, women's coach here at BYU, but uh, at at uh, Stanislaus, you had responsibility over the entire program. And even here at BYU, you and Ed, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a collaborative effort here. Yeah. At Stanislaus, I was the director of the men and women, and I yeah. coached both men and women. And at, at BYU here, I am in charge of the women's distance runners um, and the head cross-country coach. But I did coach Abraham Alvarado. So I had one yeah. guy, and that's my last guy. So now <laughs> I, I only coach women. But obviously, we work together to kind of motivate and, and bring our, our team together. And um, it, clear, it clearly welcomes your feedback, regardless of whether whichever gender we're discussing here. Yeah, when the yeah. men are racing, I'm I'm probably not as crazy as when my women are racing, but very close. <laughs> right, very close. Uh, we know that, of course, Abe came here. How did your move to BYU come about? So Ed contacted me. It was actually it happened really fast, and I thought, let me check out BYU. My in-laws live in Lehigh, and so I've been coming to Utah, and I was familiar with it, but that was pretty much it. I didn't really have many ties other than my father-in-law being an alum. Um, how did you? How did Ed know about you? Is it just the community and, and, and knew of you from where you'd been and those kinds of things? Or I think when you're with me at a track meet, regardless of where I'm at on the track, you probably can hear me. So um, we both, like I said, we were at the Olympic trials together in 2016, and we both had Shaquille Walker was running for BYU, and he was in, in the semifinals, as was Abraham Alvarado. And I was just pacing back and forth. And he had met me probably four or five years ago at indoor University of Washington, BYU and Stanislaus stayed at the same hotel. So we had kind of met and just kept in touch. He saw some of the athletes that I was coaching um, in a couple of those years in 2013 and 14. I had some really successful uh, athletes. So I think we just kind of talked never about BYU or my potential of ever coming to BYU. Uh, so I was kind of shocked to get that email midsummer. Um, but then I just thought I'd come check it out and called my husband after the interview. I was like, I think we're moving to Provo. You uh, had an association, clearly, with Ed a little bit, but is it fair to say that if you're in the business and in the sport that Ed's reputation precedes him? Yeah. Actually, when I first met Ed, I wasn't really familiar with who he was. I thought he was a dad of of the athletes because he's so laid back and so chill. So I just see him in the hotel lobby. We're eating breakfast, and he comes down and sits at my <laughs> table, and then I get to know him. I'm like, oh, this is Ed Eyestone, like the Ed Eyestone. Right. And yeah. He obviously has a um, a rapport about him and yeah. just historic. I mean, he's an Olympian. That's right. I get to work with an Olympian every day. That's the thing. I mean, he, I mean, people who know the sport. I mean, you mentioned the name, and it immediately you know triggers a whole variety of responses about just his kind of legendary status in the sport. Then when you get to know him and be around him, and I guess work with him, you're like, this guy is very much a, a normal, great dude, right? I mean, so much so, so chill, so easy to work with. Um, and, but yet he's an Olympian. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. Now you mentioned, uh, in-laws and I guess that connects you to your husband, uh, and that'd be Ira, right? Yes. Ira Taylor, Taylor. <laughs> obvious reasons. Uh, and, and so 
he's, you said the connection's Lehigh. Was he a, a, a born and raised Utah kid too? He played at Stanislaus basketball, right? Yeah. Actually, both of his parents graduated from American Fork High School <laughs> and they relocated to California, into the Bay Area, and lived there and came back as they retired. So Ira was born in California in Vallejo and never um, lived in Utah. This <laughs> is new for both of us. So there was a connection, but not a real strong one. And so, uh, well, we'll talk about it after the break. Let's do this. We'll take a break, and we'll talk about uh, Diljeet's BYU days and how life in Provo is treating her. As Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel continues, this is BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. More with Coach Diljeet Taylor after this. Back after noon. My conversation continuing now with BYU Associate Head Track and Field Coach and Associate Cross Country Head Coach for the BYU Women, Diljeet Taylor. Uh, Before the break, we kind of had you coming to Provo. Uh, What, if any, were your uh, preconceived notions about BYU or Provo and how long did it take for you to acclimate? I'm still not acclimated (laughs) to the weather that is going to happen here in a couple months. But Originally, when we said we were moving to Provo or to Utah and I was going to come to BYU, a lot of advice that we got was like, okay, don't live in Provo. Well, we live in Provo. Um, But I think it's been great. People have welcomed us, and I'm pretty much on campus all the time. So I feel like this – I live in BYU. Like this is where I live. Mm -hmm. And so it's been great. What do you like most about it? The area, and and we'll get to the BYU side of it specifically, but just being in the mountains and being in Utah from where you've been to where you are, how do you like it? So I'm definitely a California girl. I love the beach. However, I have found a a passion and love and appreciation for the mountains, which I can see from my backyard. And we've been doing a lot of hiking. And when you have small kids, there's a lot of outdoorsy, family-style stuff that you can do to keep them busy. So I've really enjoyed that. I, I've appreciated what... Um, what the county and what the town and what just nature offers here. Through the interview process and the getting to know people here on campus, what said to you, this will work for me and our family, this, this will be a good thing for us? Well, for me, myself, having Liz Darger in that interview was huge because obviously I had some idea of maybe what athletics would be like at BYU. And then coming into that interview process and seeing another really strong woman, um, that was very appealing to me. For those who don't know, Liz is a senior associate AD here and the senior woman administrator at BYU. Yeah, that was huge. And she's, yeah. still, she's still a great mentor to, to myself and my ladies. So I find that as, as, a, as a strong draw. Um, and she makes a mean dessert as she well. She makes an awesome yeah, dessert yeah. that she brings every year to us at camp, which at we retreat, appreciate. Yeah. Um, you know, this is going to sound so cliche, but I had the feeling when I came on campus. So it wasn't really any one thing, but it was like, you need to be here. And this is somewhere where your family's going to thrive, your career's going to thrive, and this is just where you need to be. And it was just that feeling. You're not a member of the prevailing faith, is that right? Correct. Yeah. So did that aspect of it factor in in any way? Um, Were you wary in any way about that? And has it been just, no, it's just normal life? No, there's obviously some things that are a little bit different being in Provo at BYU, um, but... I've been really familiar with both the religion and the culture for mm-hmm. many years, and um, I think that I've lived the standards, and so I, it's not anything – I'm not making huge sacrifices or doing anything differently. Um, it works, it works for picture. you. Yeah, it, it works for me. It yeah. works for my family, so it's been good. Coaching BYU athletes, uh, best thing about that? Wow. These are some of the best kids, not just 
runners, but just people. And I, I love it. This is my third year here, and I just told the girls. Actually, I've told them every chance I get, but this is the best team culture and, and just – they're great, great women, and I get to be a part of their their journey. So very grateful um, and very giving, perfectionist in, in a lot of ways. Um, but it makes them great athletes. What uh, have you learned most from them during your first two seasons, would you say? During my first two seasons, what I've learned the most from them is if I believe in them, they will believe in themselves. And that I've known that in coaching. I think that that's that's been kind of how I coach is just is through faith. But these girls have showed me that more than anything because a lot of them didn't have a ton of confidence when I came in. As you know, before a couple of years ago, their highest finish at NCAAs was 19th. And so I really just came in and, and believed in them. And through that, they learned to believe in themselves. And, and so they've taught me how important it is to have faith in your athletes. Okay. How would you describe your coaching style? Well, other people would probably describe it as intense, but I'm very hands-on and loud and involved, and um, you always know where you're going to stand with me, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm a very hands-on vocal coach. Okay. How much training do you still do um, professionally um, as part of your job, and how much are you still running just because that's it's what you love doing? Um, I don't get the opportunity that as much that I'd like to, to run, but we definitely have to be in shape. Ed and I will run when we're on the road a couple times. Cause when we're on the cross country course, we are running across it, trying to <laughs> cheer on our athletes. Um, I do a mom's club three times a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at six fifteen in the Smithfield house. So we just do kind of like a boot camp, and it's free. And now, are have... these people that are all connected to the athletic no. department, or is it just anybody? I have no idea where these women come from. <laughs> um, it's just kind of word of mouth. And we have a couple guys that will come as well. And we call it Moms Club, but there's women there that aren't moms. Some former athletes will show up. And, this is an and... ongoing thing? Mm-hmm. So, we're talking, mo- so we're talking this week, like this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6.15, you're on the track running. Yeah, the, we're inside the Smithfield the, house. But the indoor track. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're working out, doing burpees, and, and, and memberships push-ups. not required. Like, no like, membership. So you can just so if someone hears the show tonight, and they're like, I, I could do that. They could show up, and you let them run. Yes, they should totally come work out. It's free. It's my community service, and it forces me to get up and work out as well. Okay, uh, the support you get from the administration here at BYU. How would you describe that? Unbelievable. Uh, Tom, Brian, and Liz. That's that is just. They're the three. We want to work hard to make them proud because they are giving us every resource to be successful and support. There isn't, you know, I've been somewhere else and I've had a lot of colleagues that coach in other places. Both Tom and Liz came to our cross country camp to just come talk to our athletes. I mean, they really care about the program and the athletes and the coaches. And so I feel I not that I'm indebted to them, but in a way, I I really want to work hard to make those guys proud because they they believe in us, and they gave me an opportunity. Mm. So the field house is getting up there in age, but the facilities I think at BYU, I'm sure I'm sure you appreciate them and, and think they're, they're they're what you. I mean, you could always want more and get more, but uh, I, I think it's it's pretty top notch, isn't it? Yeah, and coming from a Division two school, I think I have a greater appreciation. I try to focus on what we have rather than what we don't have. Mm-hmm. So I am very grateful for all of the facilities here, and when we are on outdoor track we're standing on the track there is not a view it's the best office in the world there's not a view like that anywhere so enough 
I, met, I rattled off a number of rankings and results at the start of our interview, but uh, the, the new season's upon us, and as in this weekend upon us, right? Can you uh, help us preview? Uh, well, I guess we'll just preview cross-country. It's coming up first. Um, what kind of squad do you think you're going to have back? And speaking of back, Erica Burke-Jarvis is back, which is good news. Great news. Burke is back. We're very excited about that. We lost three seniors out of our top five last year. However, we have girls that are coming back that are stronger, and having Erica Burke, who was the All-American that first year, year um, in cross country and also in indoor and ran a great steeple. Um, that's that's a huge addition to our team. So she's really she's come back very fit, and I'm excited to see what how she leads this team. And first meet is this weekend, yes? First meet is on Saturday at East Bay Golf Course, 940 the women run and 1045 the men run. How many teams are coming in? We have 10 teams. Okay. Well, best of luck as the season starts for real this weekend. We mentioned Ira earlier. Let's name your kids before we let you uh, let you go tonight. Okay. So I have t- uh, Taj, who's nine, Avi is seven, and my niece Rita, who is 15. Okay. And uh, does Ira still have game when it comes to basketball? Yes. I, ha- I have to say yes. I'm his wife. <laughs> How often does he get out and play? Does he have um, to place to play? I mean, he, Well, church ball probably is not really his thing, but he'd <laughs> like to find a league here, I think. And uh, yeah, he still has some skills. Well, it's uh, been awesome having you in tonight, and the best of luck to you in the cross-country season ahead, the track season that will follow as you guys uh, keep those national rankings high and make us all proud. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Greg. All right, that's Coach Dill G. Taylor. Coming up after the break, we head to the gridiron as I visit with former BYU safety Andrew Rich. That is coming up next as Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel continues here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYU and the BYU Radio app. Welcome back to Behind the Mic, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Here's your host, Craig Rubel. Time now for our Catching Up with the Cougars segment, brought to you by BYU Alumni. Want to help BYU students but don't know how? You can with BYU Alumni Chapters. Find the chapter that fits you at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. There was a time during his tenure as BYU head coach when Bronco Mendenhall listed the top three safeties he had ever had the opportunity to coach. He named future NFL Hall of Famer Brian Urlacher, NFL veteran Aaron Francisco, and my next guest, Andrew Rich, a player Bronco famously denied a scholarship not once, but twice. Originally a walk-on at BYU, despite holding Division I scholarship offers elsewhere, Andrew Rich ended up as one of the most prolific tacklers and hardest hitters BYU's ever had at the safety spot. Since the year 2000, only Kai Nakua has recorded more interceptions than Andrew Rich's 10 over only three seasons of play. Since 2000, only Nakua and Gennaro Guilford have surpassed Andrew's single-season mark of five picks in the 2010 season. After leaving BYU as a two-time All-Mountain West Conference selection, Andrew Rich was close to making an NFL roster as an undrafted free agent before deciding that he had done all he wanted to do on the football field and walked away. Today, Andrew Rich walks into Studio 2 and joins me behind the mic. Andrew, great to see you again, and uh, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you for having me. So you were born in Ogden, yes? Ogden, Utah. And your family, at least your dad, had a Weber State football connection, true? That's right. He, uh, My dad and mom both went to high school in Ogden, went to the same high school as them. Uh, both ended up at Weber State. My dad was a, a standout athlete there, and... Uh, I still follow the Wildcats. I like I like watching them. Now, if I'm not mistaken, your dad would have ended up on the same Los Angeles Express roster as Steve Young. That's right. He uh, he he claims that Steve held me when I was a baby, but I don't really believe him. I think he's just trying to make me feel feel good about myself. But yeah, he he was on the same squad as Steve. 
offense and defense, so we know how that goes. I don't know how much they hung out, but yeah, he was a line. Your dad was a linebacker, I think, for the Express. Now he, uh, the, the Express, I believe, were formed in 1983, year before Steve got there. But your dad was still on the roster when Steve got there. That's right. My dad was there for two or three years. So they became friends then? Yeah, I mean, as much as they have to be, right? Sports for you. I mean, clearly dad's an athlete. How big was it for you growing up? When do you first remember sports being a thing for you? You know, I I remember always wanting to have a helmet and shoulder pads on or a ball in my hand. Um, for some reason, I just was always attracted to it. My my dad, so I have an older sister, and I think when I was born, you know, and my dad was saying, "Here, here's the boy, I wanted a boy, and... Um, I've always loved it. You know, it didn't matter what sport it was. I I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. And and, uh, it's been a part of our family for for some generations. Siblings beyond your sister? I have a younger brother. Yep, I have a younger brother. And he he wasn't into sports as much as I was. So I felt bad for him having to try to uh, live up to dad's expectations on loving, loving sports. But yeah, he's really good at other things. And that's just fine. High school for you was Bonneville. Bonneville Lakers, and you were you had you had a lot of success there, and and in more than just one sport. Basketball was your other main Oops. sport, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I uh, I enjoy basketball. In fact, I loved basketball more than I did football. But uh, I felt like my opportunity to play at the collegiate level was greater playing football than it would be basketball. But I I still to this day, you know, there's not many sports you can just go and get a ball and go in the gym and make yourself better. Football, you always have to have usually someone else. So that's what I loved about basketball. Did you play uh, football, basketball through the entire high school career, all the way through? All the way through, yep. yeah. And uh, yet you had decided by the time you were a senior, I guess, that football was going to be the one you pursued after after high school. Yeah, I had more interest from, from, from college schools uh, to play football than I did basketball. Um, so, you know, I... I had a dream of playing college sports. You know, I I, I loved college football. Um, in fact, uh, I didn't grow up really a BYU fan. Um, before I left on my mission, I went on a mission right out of high school. Yeah. My I came to the BYU-Notre Dame game at BYU. And uh, I remember telling my mom that I was going to play there someday. And, but you uh, weren't a BYU fan. I, but I wasn't a point. BYU. I wasn't. It Were you wasn't, a fan of somebody else? It, or? it wasn't. I was a fan of someone else. I'd come to BYU camps and I'd kind of grown to love BYU and Bronco had just taken over the program, and uh, I'd gone to a, a camp and I really, you know, liked liked the feeling, you know, that I got from Coach Mendenhall and and kind of the direction he was going, and um, you know, I just I, I kind of just blurted it out that I was going to play there one day, and my mom kind of said like, all right. You know, I don't know if she fully believed me or not, but I, you know, from then on, I kind of wanted to make it a dream come true. But before your post high school career would begin, you did go on a mission uh, to Portland, Spanish speaking. Yep. And when you came back, where you started off with snow, start off with snow. Um, while I was on my mission, I actually uh, I wrote Coach Tidwell an email. And he was uh, BYU's recruiting coordinator. At the recruiting time, right? coordinator. Yeah, yeah. I actually, yeah. So my dad, my dad, I, I wrote him an email and my dad or, or a letter. And my dad ended up giving it to him. And funny thing was when I got home from my mission, um, I reached out and I didn't hear anything. And, and, uh, I went and played at snow and my dad actually saw Paul Tidwell at the snow game and said, Hey, um, you know, my son really would love to come to BYU. And, and uh, he's like, oh, when does he get back from his mission? <laughs> and he's like, well, he's, <laughs> he's, he's playing. Uh, and I, I don't know if I was having a bad game, but he obviously didn't, <laughs> didn't notice I was out there. Well, you had more good games than bad at Snow. You were a second-team JUCO All-American, a uh, number of picks that year. And you did have offers out of Snow, but not to BYU, right? 
That's right. I had uh, Cal had made an official offer. Boise State had made an official offer. Uh, had some other opportunities. Um, I came in with Bronco, expecting fully that he would offer me a scholarship, and uh, that was that did not happen. Um, he said he liked the way I played, but uh, at that point, you know, he didn't have a scholarship for me, and it was a real kick to the gut. But um, I think he he was he knew what I wanted to do. And, you know, maybe, maybe him not offering me a scholarship, he was able to give it to someone that we couldn't have got otherwise. I don't know. Uh, but it all ended It all ended well. He gave me a scholarship over time. You had already decided uh, on your own that, like you said, you told your mom, I'm, I'm going to go there. This, is yeah. what, this was supposed to be your destiny. And here's, and here's Coach Mendenhall saying, well, it's not going to happen with a scholarship right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, was, that was certainly disappointing. I didn't, I didn't feel like it wasn't still possible. Um, the biggest anxiety I got was having to tell my parents that I was going to ask them for some money to pay for my school while I was turning down opportunities at other schools that, that had offered to pay for my school. So, um, but at the same time, they knew at that point it was a dream of mine and and supported me in that. And, um, you know, going to Cal or Boise would have been a great experience, but I, I think for me, obviously I wanted to come to BYU. It meant a lot for my, to see my mom and dad be able to, uh, come to games and be around and and uh, so so yeah, it, it made it all worth it. I wouldn't have changed the way that it happened. I'm glad that uh, you know the scholarship was earned with production and, mm-hmm. and hard work and, and getting good grades. And so it all yeah, it all worked out. In an article that Trent Toon wrote for the Deseret News back in 2012, Broncos quoted about you, and here's Broncos quote: "To show you how smart I am, I rejected him twice." Once out of high school and once out of junior college because I didn't think he was fast enough or big enough. What I couldn't see, what I didn't know about him, was who he was inside. It's interesting to hear what Bronco felt about you at the time, and he clearly acknowledges he missed on you, but you, but he still got you. Yeah. And, 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 and to, to turn down scholarship offers for, I guess, for at the time was preferred walk-on status, we'd say, at BYU. Was that, is that yeah, true yeah, or not? Yeah, it was a preferred walk-on at yeah. BYU. How soon was it before you actually had the scholarship at hand at BYU? Um, so after my sophomore year, I was given a scholarship. Yeah. So you played a whole year, played 13 games, started three of them without a scholarship, still on walk-on status that year. That's right. Does that quote ring familiar to you? Have you seen that before? Have you um, heard that before? I mean, yeah, I, I had seen, I had read that article. Um, I think Bronco and I have a lot in common. I think we were very similar players. I didn't, I haven't got to watch a ton of tape of Bronco, um, but but yeah, I mean, I obviously felt like he had always missed, and you know, I made sure before you know my final game as a senior that you know, I think he actually said that at, at a press conference at New Mexico um, or after the bowl game. Your last and game, my last, my last game, yeah. and that was the first time I'd ever heard him acknowledge that he felt like he missed, mm. and uh, I was kind of fist pumping under the table, like <laughs> finally this guy. <laughs> um, but but I love Bronco, and and uh, like I said, I I wouldn't change the order and things in which they happened. Do you recall it being a, a hard decision though, and ultimately to say? You know, free ride, Cal, Pac-12 school, Pac-10, I forget what they were at the time, versus coming on and having to earn your own way here? Um, yeah, a little bit hard. And like I said, it wasn't necessarily within. It was more managing expectations of family and friends of why would you why would you turn down an opportunity and to, to leave a Pac-10 school offer. And Boise at that time was – I mean, they still have been really good, but, yeah. but you know, so I got I got some eyebrows raised over that, but um, you know, I, I didn't really care because I was the one that was going to have to get in, 
put in the work, do this, you know, in, in, you know, pretty much take on the challenge. It wasn't their decision. It was my decision. And, and the people that I cared about supported me in it. And, and, uh, if there were some that didn't, then say la vie. Yeah. Did you feel like you were being uh, led or guided here at that point? Um, absolutely. I mean, I spent a lot of time pondering and thinking about what decision long-term, you know, based on the goals that I have, um, you know, for myself, what, what I thought was going to, um, be the best for me. And I always felt like, you know, BYU was, was where I was supposed to be. I'd had some kind of internal convictions that that that's where I was supposed to be. And I mean, I, I met my beautiful wife here, Harold mm-hmm. B. Lee library, and, uh, we have beautiful children and we're living happily ever after. So you played the 13 and started three as a sophomore, as you noted, then you're on scholarship. And once you're on scholarship, you started and played all 26 games over your junior and senior seasons. Second team All Mountain West Conference in your junior year. First team All Mountain West Conference in your senior year. Uh, major tackle numbers, uh, double-digit interceptions for your BYU career. I would I, I would presume that in your junior year, uh, beating Oklahoma, uh, beating Utah, winning a bowl game would be highlights. And then in your senior year, kind of an up and down year in yeah. terms of how everything went. But again, you win your last game uh, in that bowl game in Albuquerque. What do you look back on? Last two years, especially two thousand nine, two thousand ten, as the the high spots for you. Um, you know, obviously the, the like you mentioned, the Oklahoma win. Um, that was my you know first first uh, first game of being not a replacement starter, but an actual starter, right? And uh, being able to play who uh, against teams that or players that were considered to be the best, you know, best of class, right? The best at that level. And Demarco um, Murray, Demarco and Sam Murray, Bradford, Sam Bradford, and, yeah, yeah uh, Broyles. Uh, and being able to compete at that level, I think it was a cool experience and being able to just be a part of that. And, and, you know, the fans that were down there, there was, there was a lot. And, and that stadium. And the stadium. I mean, at the time, it was still quite a thing yeah. to be in that building. Yeah, I remember, you know, turning around one time and seeing Jerry Jones standing right behind me. Um, <laughs> and it, that was just, that was an overall great experience. Um, obviously, beating Utah in such a, a great rivalry was, and that was the last time that we beat Utah. Um, and uh, that was, that was an amazing Amazing experience. My senior year was obviously a little bit different. Um, we started one and four, uh, fired our defensive coordinator mid-year. A um, lot of ups quarterback and downs. Issues. Quarterback yeah. Quarterback changes, freshman quarterback, uh, injuries, ton of injuries up front, losing Harvey. Um, so there were, there were a lot of challenges that we had that year. But um, I, at that point, enjoyed just the camaraderie and being able to be the only ones that, you know, at that point, I think BYU fans were kind of like, ah, I don't know if we're going to go to the game this Saturday, <laughs> um, just based on the way we'd played. And, and so being able to overcome that and finish the season on a, you know, on a winning with a winning record, um, based on the circumstances that we were in, I think, you know, meant a lot, helped me create some long lasting relationships with teammates that going through that, you know, like I said, at the time, you wish you were ten and two or eleven, you know, eleven and two, and and uh, but that wasn't the case for for my senior year. But what stands out is that you did finish strong, did finish with the winning record, did did win a bowl game uh, in spite of of the way things started. It was a, probably a satisfying finish, and you were also part of the last Mountain West the Conference last. team uh, for BYU. They went independent the very next season. Yeah, um, that you know, I, I've thought about what my football career at BYU would have been like playing in an independent type, you know, environment. I'm, I'm grateful, you know, to be, a, to have that at Mountain West conference experience. Um, you know, I'm also jealous of the teams that, that these guys get to play week in and week out. 
Um, interesting enough, so Mike Price coached my father at Weber State. And so his final game at is, UTEP a, 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 against my, you. Yeah, it was yeah. my against you. So that was kind of cool to experience that. So um, I, I can't complain. I, I was blessed to be healthy and, and enjoy enjoy college. And the way you played, as physically as you played, just to be healthy, I think, is, is, is half the battle. Uh, when we come back, Andrew Rich makes it to the next level and decides that his next step would be to step away from the NFL. We'll talk about that. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. We are brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Back with more from Andrew Rich after this. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Behind the Mic and tonight's Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU Alumni. BYU Alumni chapters help students in need and spread the influence of the Y around the world. Stay connected for good and find your chapter at alumni.byu.edu slash Chapter is visiting with former BYU safety Andrew Rich tonight. And before the break, uh, we kind of concluded Andrew's BYU career. And so you've graduated from BYU. You said that uh, playing collegiate sports was always a dream of yours. Was playing in the NFL something that, that kind of joined that same st- – did you always want to do that too? Yeah, I mean, I think I always I always thought about it. And growing up watching NFL films and, you know, putting on the pads and running around in the living room to it, um, you know, as, as I got older and matured and, and went through college um, – you know, the, the sport's a brutal game, and um, you know I, I still I still feel like I, I would have loved to, but it just wasn't in the cards for me. Based on you know a, a few you know th- th- there's some things that didn't align for me, and um, you know my time the, the short time that I had you know down there in Arizona was great. It was a great experience, and I'm glad that I did it. Um, it was kind of what I needed to to kind of confirm the direction I wanted to head in my life and, um, and how I felt. And, and, uh, you know, I get asked all the time, Hey, do you regret that decision? And, um, I feel, I feel freed actually <laughs> for, um, by making that decision. And it's, it's nice to watch football and wake up the next day feeling, feeling good. You say it wasn't in the cards, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, so you were a non-drafted free agent, yep. and now, now it's all about connections and opportunities and where it's going to land for you sure. and, and what made Arizona the right choice for you. How did it come about? Because you probably had other yeah. you know people looking at you and, and giving you chances. Yeah, I had talked to quite a few teams um, during the draft and then post-draft. The agent that I had um, was he, – he represented Ken Wisenhunt, who was the head coach at the time and two other coaches on their roster and, and a few other players. And he was from Arizona. So um, just based on their safety depth and based on his his relationships, he felt like I would be taken care of there. And uh, and Max was down there too at the time, wasn't he? Max Ma- Hall? Yeah, Max was, Max was in Arizona as well. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, I, I agreed. I felt like that was a good spot. It was closer to home. And, um, yeah, so I, I – I felt like my agent made a, a really good decision to you know push us in that direction. This puts us in 2011 now, and and as I recall, you were having a really good camp. The projections were that you were going to make the 53. Yeah, so I was uh, in the two deep most of camp. Um, you know, there there are a few days that you know I this happened or that happened, but um, yeah, I, I you know felt like I was having a good camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were some really good players that that uh, were. 
you know, the other safety that was running the twos with me was Rashad Johnson, who ended up starting, I think, that year because Adrian Wilson had tore his pec- pectoral muscle. Yeah, so there was, you know, there was, there was definitely opportunity. Certainly nothing's guaranteed at that level. Um, it was a lockout year, so I didn't have mini camps or anything like that to, to prep, um, which I actually felt like was to my advantage just in being able to understand scheme and quickly learn, you know, what they were doing versus some of the other uh, rookies that were, you know, rolling around. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was a good camp. I, I, uh, I enjoyed it and, and uh, enjoyed getting to know what it's like at that level. You alluded to the decision that uh, ended uh, your career kind of before it began at that at that camp, wasn't it? What ultimately uh, did it come down to? Was there a watershed moment? Was there uh, an epiphany of some sorts that said, as much as I thought I wanted this, maybe I don't? Yeah, I mean, I had kind of felt like that even before I got into camp that, you know, I wasn't sure if that was, you know, what I what I wanted to do, you know, the direction I wanted to head. Um you know, I, I had a few experiences that were kind of uh, enlightening to me of, of you know, w- which direction I should go uh, um, that helped me, you know, make the decision I thought was, was best for me and my family. Um, and I think it was just overall at that level, th- there's if you're not if you're not 100 percent into it at that level, you know, it's pretty quick that 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 things won't go the way you want them to go anyways. And, and I, I wanted to be fair to, to them. I wanted to be fair to myself. Um, just kind of knowing where I was at. And, um, th- that's, that's ultimately what, what made me, you know, call my agent. And my wife was actually visiting at the time. Um, and she didn't know I packed my bags and I hadn't told anyone. And I went to take her to the airport and <laughs> my bags were in the car too. <laughs> And, uh, so she's heading home. So she's heading home. And I said, you know, I, I bought a plane ticket and, and I, I got on the flight with her and that was, that was it. Did you think you were, did she think you were, at first she thought I was kidding. Um, you know, my dad, my dad and my wife, I always joke because they kind of conspired against me. You know, they, they really wanted to see me play. See this through. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to, you know, fair enough. They wanted, they wanted to make sure that I wasn't foregoing a, a, a dream or goal because camp was hard. And it wasn't, you know, I didn't ever feel like camp was that difficult compared to what Bronco put us through. Hmm. Um, and so I understood what they what they were saying, but they were kind of talking every day to see what what, what could we say, what could we do to get him to to stick around. But I had already, I'd already decided, and that's, that's one reason I wanted my wife to come down is because I wanted her to see the experience of what I was a part of every day. And I think, you know, as, as I took her to the airport, I think she better, had a better understanding for why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And you said not, not only were there no regrets, but you felt liberated at that point. Yeah. I, I, I felt, um, I did feel, I feel liberated because, um, I had that, I had been, that had been my master for so long, so to speak. I I'd loved it. I'd been a part of it and, and I, I wanted to be in, you know, in football. And that was from a very young age. I didn't, I had never worked at nine to five. Um, and there were so many things that, that I kind of gave up to try to be really good at football. And when I, when I finished, um, I felt, I felt like I had a chance to, um, you know, do something else that, that I enjoyed versus having to feel the stress and anxiety of, of, of what comes with football and not to mention the physical, (laughs) the physical toll that it has on your body. 
you started your family soon thereafter, and uh, your your first child, who's now six, Harper, yep. uh, soon after birth, was discovered he had some health issues. And I guess in hindsight, you would say the NFL life might have made it difficult to maybe attend to his needs as much you as you would have wanted to at the time at a really critical juncture. Yeah, hindsight, you know, kind of looking, you know, obviously looking at it from a um, from the rearview mirror. My wife was pregnant at the time. We didn't know that my my son would have a severe um, heart defect and that he would need serious care and, and me being down there and her being up here and, and, um, yeah, there, there was a reason and a purpose of, you know, all of that and it's all kind of come together and, and, um, you know, interesting enough, um, as my, as my boy was life flighted to primary children's as a, as an infant, I remember feeling just so overwhelmed, um, and nervous and scared and, the baby right next to Harper. So they have these, they have these little name tags. The baby right next to Harper was a baby named Bronco. And, um, I remember thinking, Oh no, here we go. Uh, some crazy fan, um, named their kid Bronco. And I look and this, there's, you know, the, the, the dad of this boy has got BYU on from head to toe. And he kind of catches a glimpse of me walk by, and I'm like, "Not man, not now, man." Um, and we, we, it turned out to be, you know, they they were great. We got to meet them, and I, Bronco actually came up to Primary Children's and to meet this family. Oh and, man! And uh, so it, it was. We had some cool, sweet experiences through the moments. And uh, Harper's uh, gotten through it okay because he's a yeah. soccer player now. And, yeah, he's and... play, he's playing soccer. He had his third open heart surgery on uh, November 11th, I believe, of this last year. Wow. Which was so even just recently, he's still yeah. been having these procedures. Yeah, he's a little warrior. He's had a he basically has a three chambered heart. They had to do some replumbing in there, but he's he loves sports. Um, when he was at the hospital, he had to have a pair of shoulder pads on his bed with a jersey on him, and he loves the Cougs. Mm. Uh, we live up in in Ute land. There's a lot of Utes, and so he he just uh, he takes a lot of guff, but um, he gives it right back and. Uh, he's he's been a blessing. So we've we've talked about Harper. Let's mention your wife's name and your other two kids. You're a family of five now. Family of five. Yep. My wife is Kimberly. She's from Malta, Idaho, which is uh, if you haven't heard of it, you're not the only one. Um, and then I have a, a three year old. Bodie is his name. And then I have a, a little girl, Everly, and she's almost a year. She turns a year in November. Okay. What do you do professionally? So I've I've been with a software company, a local software company, Domo is the name of the company I'm with. I've been with them for uh, about five and a half years. It's been it's been awesome. I've loved I've loved uh, what I've done there and and been a part of a, a really cool ride from a you know starting really small and growing to be bigger and it's been a cool experience. How closely have you kept your ties uh, to BYU and BYU football and um, and your thoughts on on the way this season has begun and what might be in store for Kalani and the boys this year? Sure. Um, yeah, I've I've uh, I've tried to stay as close as I can. You know, obviously living um, you know over an hour away makes it a little hard to make it down to all the games or practices. Um, obviously, I, I love this place. I would give my life for this place, um, and so, so I have definitely an interest in in watching and, and wanting them to be successful. Um, as I finished, you know, there were a lot of guys that I stayed in touch with, and players, and texting, and calling, and and. Uh, Kalani actually recruited me when I was coming out of snow. So I had a previous relationship with Kalani. And um, so, you know, I, I've tried to stay as close as I can without being, you know, too, you know, too invasive. And, you know, I don't want to be the guy that's out of high school still going to prom. Um, 
no offense to all those that have done that. Um, but, but yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've tried to stay close. I think that, you know, obviously with the schedule, as we mentioned earlier, you know, anytime you're playing the, those teams of those, uh, of that caliber, you know, every week, um, you, you learn that it's, you know, you've got to have some depth. You've got to have some really good players to beat those, those type of teams. And so, um, you know, when I was, when I was here, we would play two or three of them, you know, usually at the start of the year, you know, it have some really good games, uh, in the Mountain West conference and then a bowl game usually against one of those big, those big conference teams. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to beat them two or three times, but when you play them, you know, a lot of times throughout the season, it becomes, becomes difficult. Um, but that, you know, I think Kalani's a great guy. I think he's, I think he can do it. I think, I think we got some really good players. You got some young players that I think are, are talented and, and, um, you know, you just you got to squeeze every ounce out of yourself to be able to be able to win. And and um, I really enjoyed watching us, you know, rush the ball and stop the run against Arizona. That yeah. was that was awesome. And I thought, you know, we'll obviously watch the Cal game, and you know, it was a few big plays that hurt us. Um, you know, for the most part, we, I, I watching it, I thought that we could. We I thought we were better than them. I thought we could beat them. Um, but it comes down to, you know, making a few plays that they made and we didn't. And now we're faced with a <laughs> going into uh, Camp Randall there in Wisconsin. And, and you know, they are a, a tremendous team and we'll have to put it, you know, all the, everything's going to have to be clicking for us to be able to beat those guys, which you never know. Andrew, you're one of, you're one of my favorite players uh, to watch. And uh, I, I admire every part of your story. And thank you for taking the time to come down to BYU and, and chat with us tonight. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. And I've, I've loved being able to chat with you over the years. So thank you for having me. Thanks, Andrew. We're back to wrap up tonight's show. Brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Back to say so long after this. That will do it for Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on this Wednesday, September 12th. My thanks to guests Coach Diljeet Taylor and Andrew Rich. On next week's show, it's an offensive lineman-themed broadcast with current BYU GA and former BYU and NFL lineman Dallas Reynolds, along with former BYU and NFL lineman John Tate. My appreciation to coordinating producer Terry South with assistance from Cole Wissinger and Sean O'Neill. Thanks as well to BYU Radio GM Don Shaline and intern Aaron Fitzner. For all those folks, I'm Greg Rubel. Thanking you for joining me Behind the Mic. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Good night.